Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery and a warm welcome to you for Season 4, Episode 2. The first half of this conversation, you speak with a listener of the show. I do. And her name is Nancy. It is. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about Nancy? So Nancy wrote in asking specifically about, it's a weird way to say specifically. Uh, uh, and, and about. About. <laughs> specifically about, about. Relationships. Being an Aussie. <laughs> now, Nancy has a lovely English accent. Um, about, about relationships through the lens of slow living. So Nancy and I have a lot in common, actually, it turns out. Uh, she can speak more eloquently than I can, but apart from that, she's very introverted, um, but also very much loves the the feeling of having good, deep, lingering conversations with close friends. So there's that sort of duality or the paradox at play. Um, and she's begun to use the ideas of slow living as a way to insulate herself from connecting with other people. Mm -hmm. So we go into the specifics of it. You know, she's traveled a lot. Her and her family have moved away from their, their, their close network of friends and are currently living overseas. And there's this concern of hers that slow living has become uh, maybe an impediment almost to making oh, really? friendships yeah. both in Kuala Lumpur where they are living at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, but also even through making friendships online, which is often something that I will encourage people to do. She's fearful that, um, you know, using her phone too much will become an addiction in itself. So as you continue to mend, like blossom those relationships exactly. online, it would be very difficult. I've got to say, yeah, and I completely to, understand. Yeah. I, I completely understand where she's coming from. So that's really the lens through which we begin this conversation. It's about relationships. It's about um, you know slow living and how it can ultimately help us build stronger relationships, but also the discomfort that comes from stepping out of that slow bubble that's necessary, particularly as an introvert. So enjoy the first half of the episode. Nancy, hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. It is so lovely to speak with you. <laughs> I'm really nervous, but um, very excited to speak with you. I've been listening for the longest time. Now, I'm really excited to jump into the email that you wrote to me because there are huge chunks of the email that I feel like I could have written myself. At the heart of the email you sent to me is relationships, really, and more specifically, stepping out of, you know, the slow bubble and your own bubble to find like-minded people. Uh, now, I'm assuming that you're an introverted person. Is that right? Definitely. I would say like I'm an introvert, um, but I always feel that that word gets misconstrued. I need my alone time. I love my alone time, but I also love long, deep, meandering conversations with friends. And I like to meet new people and have experiences and share their experiences um but I also need to to pull back sometimes and to not be driving all the time in a conversation or a relationship because I think it's very easy for me to just look inward to kind of retreat and 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 that's one of the major problems I think you're absolutely right a lot of us kind of misconstrue what introversion is and I think it's become um, in some kind of circles, even more all or nothing. So you're either a, like a party, life of the party extrovert always, or an introvert who really is very shy and wants to be alone all the time. 
And I have realized as I've gotten older that I'm 100% an introvert, but I do still need and crave that that personal interaction with people. But I think like the idea of a networking event or small talk at a party is not what I need. <laughs> you know, it's it's that depth. I don't want to meet people who are just sharing my experiences, who just have the same outlook as me. Um, but at the same time, I want to meet people who do have similarities because that's where I feel like you do get a certain bond as well, that you do share some things. I think making friends as an adult is weird. Like it's hard, <laughs> you know. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I, I don't think so because I, when you're a kid, you kind of get thrown together with a group of people at school or you meet someone at the park, you're like, let's be friends. Okay, and then you're friends, you know. And I, as an adult, it, it's much tougher. It's tougher because I think we carry our insecurities around and they're bigger and maybe a bit meaner when we're adults and um, like our our personality traits are more set than when we're kids and we also understand maybe we've been through circumstances situations where we've been hurt by friends as well so we're more protective of ourselves um, do you feel like you have enough friends and you want to go deeper with those friends are you looking to make new friendships or a mix of both the friends that I've got are very few um, now, and I think those relationships are set. I think they're really good. Uh, I, uh, just over a year ago, we expatriated from the UK and we did something really crazy and moved to Kuala Lumpur for my partner's work. And um, before that, we were kind of just normal people, I would say, like in terms of like list, listening to all this slow living and stuff. I'm not one of those people who... Um, I don't know, sells pressed flowers for 50k a year and Simon doesn't canoe to work to make craft beer. Like, we, are, <laughs> we are normal people and yet did this really crazy thing of, of upping sticks. And um, obviously that sloughed off a lot of friends in some ways. But at the same time, I think I'd already got a set group of friends and they are literally, I could probably count them on my on one hand we still talk we still converse and that is the beauty of social media yes I struggle with my usage of it I make sure to keep it down but um I think in that instance that's where it's useful and so those relationships I think are locked in and safe but what I have is trying to find new relationships and new people I meet people here we have a communal pool we're really really lucky and I meet other families who've had similar experiences of expatriating and things but they are in a completely different space to me so while we talk and I have you know some nice conversations and we talk about travel because that's one thing that we all obviously have in common it can't go much deeper because some of our values are just a much in in different places and I never considered it this way until I was reflecting on the email that I sent that actually by just even trying to live slow I never appreciated how much counterculturally we were doing especially here it's not a problem we had in the UK but a lot of people um, have a live-in maid housekeeper um, and that's quite normal for anyone from the middle classes up. They port off a lot of that drudgery of everyday life. So I can't talk about, I remember when I first moved here, I asked somebody, what stain remover will help clean the kids' um, clothes? And no one knew because no one does their washing. Right. And so it's that thing of just having some things in common, that common ground, and that I find really, really hard to make new friendships and how to find people when 
sometimes being slow can often mean retreating yeah escaping from outside turning inward really yeah and I think that that is potentially if you're you know you seem a lot like me in that regard that you are comfortable in your own company um, and often crave that but I went through a number of years where, you know, I I limited my social commitments in order to live slower, particularly when the kids were really little and I was super burnt out. Um, I didn't want to to go exploring avenues for friendship. So I kind of used slow living as an excuse almost to stay super introverted and, um, you know, convince myself that my company was all that I needed. And it's not been... It's interesting, actually, that, you know, that you're, you're thinking about this and you've kind of, you're exploring it and investigating this idea after a big change, because I came to a similar realisation um, when we got back to Australia after a big change, you know, and I think that maybe sometimes stripping away those layers of, of comfort, you know, the things that we're used to can really strip bare those those kind of areas of our life that we've become comfortable in but we're not really living in an optimal kind of way and for me I realized that was friendships do you think there's a reason that you're not trying to pursue other avenues like perhaps joining a club or seeing if there is something that you're interested in in the local area um, and seeing if they have an in-person meet meet up kind of situation once a month is that something that you've looked into um it's something I've started to look into okay. definitely and I think it's that thing of getting outside your comfort zone yeah. I feel socially awkward and I have to prepare myself to go to those situations and to meet people. So I'll, I'll make plans that I really, really want to do. And then when the time comes, I'll maybe look for excuses or feel overwhelmed by it. And I think, like you say, hiding within that slow bubble is really easy. Yeah. So it's definitely something that I want to do to, to try and find some more people who you know, to just put myself out there, but it, but it is hard. (laughs) Oh yeah, it is hard. And when I find myself in that situation and that fear kind of starts chatting in the back of my head saying, but they'll, they'll they'll ignore you or it'll be like the first day of high school at a new school or (laughs) like, it'll, you know, and, and that, that self doubt really does come crashing in. And it took me the longest time to realize what that was about And it was about me not understanding why anybody would want to be my friend. You know, Mm. I still carry that around with me. And I have to to remind myself that if people want to be my friend, they're not stupid. You know, they're doing it because they they want to. But um, is that something that you think could be exacerbating that fear, that uh, like a self-esteem or a self-doubt sort of creeping in? Especially as um, I ended up as like a stay-at-home mum. And I think that there is a certain element of feeling a little bit inadequate about that. Also, it's that thing of trying to qualify what you have done with your life. You know, again, like being a stay-at-home mum, I never planned that. I never thought I would be a stay-at-home mum. And yet, you know, that is the decisions that we've made. And despite being, you know, feminist yeah women go out and you know get your bread uh, it, it just seems like that I, I think I feel a little bit like I need to make excuses I need to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing even though I think it's valuable yeah and I think it's learning to stand in the truth of who you are proudly you know and and not let real or imagined judgments from other people shake that um, particularly yeah I was gonna say like with people pleasing I find that I sometimes, if I am in those settings, 
I sometimes I'm not myself. Mm. I sometimes act like an extrovert. Or what do they say? How do introverts make friends? They act like an extrovert and then suffer the consequences. <laughs> and that is uh, that is definitely an experience I've had. Like um, that is so true. And you know, I really like that that idea of that's how a, a lot of introverts will make friends, and that's why we end up in situations where we feel so drained and we go, kind of don't feel quite like ourselves. I feel like the the other end of being in the slow bubble is afterwards when you didn't go to that thing because you told yourself to stay at home, you beat yourself up for yes. it. Yes. Say, I, you know, you kind of begrudge the choice you made and it's again it's about this second guessing of yourself you know maybe I didn't need to maybe I should have gone to it but that's always done retrospectively and you'll never know what are some things that I mean I feel like you're carrying around sort of judgment of yourself and um, comparison even of the choices that you've made as opposed to what you think other people think you should have made or that think what would have been a good choice Um, what things in yourself uh, are you proud of Oh gosh, that is a hard question, isn't it? It is because it's the complete reverse of what you normally imagine someone to ask, like the negatives, what you can't cope with. I guess I am proud of the type of mum that I became. As a family unit, we're really, really lucky, and we're really, really tight, and we've overcome some some huge challenges. So I think I'm proud of those things, those same things, I guess, that I'm also a little bit ashamed of mm. <laughs> um, to admit to, um, because I do I do feel like I am a really good mum, but I hate for people to think of me as just the mum. Just a mum, yeah. Um, but other than that, things for myself, I don't think I'm necessarily that proud of. Okay. I, I, I had... I went to university, I got a very good degree in mathematics, I got a master's in epidemiology, and then I feel like, and then because of how the job market is, because of how the things we wanted in life, I ended up, the last job, apart from a bit of tutoring mathematics, was that I held was actually in retail, and I feel kind of like I could have been or done something more. But that wasn't the path that we that we ended up going down, if you know what I mean. And so I feel proud of those um, accomplishments, but I feel they also led to a place that I, I'm probably not that proud of. Right. So you feel like you've left potential on the table in those areas? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I feel like I could be doing something important. I didn't intend to be a stay-at-home mum. I became one because circumstances led that way and my daughter needed um, some surgery. Some She had open-heart surgery twice. Um, she's not poorly. She doesn't have any symptoms. But it just meant that returning to work, when I would have been returning to work, um, she would have gone into childcare and yeah. we just weren't happy with that um, in the situation that we were in at the time. And then... As, as is the way, as is the traditional way, Simon's career was able to excel because I was able to do all of the childcare. Yeah. So he didn't need to make any concessions about being able to pick the child up at such and such a time. And so his career during that period was able to exceed anything I could offer. I, I do want to say that what you are doing and what you have done is important. Making the sacrifices and the choices that you've made, intentionally, they are important because what you're doing is raising another generation of really good people, people who can keep moving forward, people who can turn up, people who know what it is to feel 
safe and secure and loved, and then they turn around and they spread those gifts out into the world. And that's because of you. Um, but then I think outside of, of family, outside of, um, you know, the friends that you've made, no matter how kind of surface level that you've made already, what other things are you interested in? Um, I know you mentioned tutoring, but do you have hobbies or anything that, that you yeah, would like to pursue? I love um, reading um, and I love um, going to places and I love food and trying new things. I, you know, there isn't much that I don't like doing actually. I just like experiencing things. Okay. And so I, I like getting out. I like hiking. We love going for a hike as a family walking through. It's jungly here, but <laughs> walking through that is quite an experience, a sweaty one, but <laughs> yeah. we we do enjoy it. And there's some lovely places to go. But I, I feel, again, like we always come as a package. Yeah. We, we're always this family walking through. Which is sort of impenetrable. You know, if you're, you're, you're a unit, then you're a unit moving through it all. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. So I've thought about... Um, I've heard about a really good um, jewellery making school in KL, something that isn't maybe an issue with a lot of people, but here not everything is taught in English. And so I have an element of I need to, I'd love to speak Bahasa, but I don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, for the time being, I I need to limit myself to English speaking classes. And I know that that is um, a a school run by a Malaysian and a British business partnership. I've never wanted to make jewellery, but I've never not wanted to. I do enjoy creating. I do enjoy making and, and feeling something real in mm. my hands. And so I wondered whether that might be an outlet. But there's an element of I don't want to um, turn up and just be like, I'm just here for the friendships. Like, you right. know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just here to see if any of you are worthy because I, I don't feel like that at all. But I feel uh, sometimes, again, it's that awkwardness of feeling like I, I need to explain myself, that I need to kind of apologise for my my uh, my presence there, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that, yeah, that's an interesting – it's interesting that you say that, you know, because you kind of um, – you're looking for the opportunities but also looking for a reason to not take them. Yeah, and it's that that sort of worthiness. That's very confronting from what I've just said, which I've never realised before. No, no. Well, I think it's important to acknowledge it because once you do, then you can start to put strategies in place to, like, you can acknowledge it and say, yes, that that is how I feel on occasion. That is why I do or don't do what I choose to do or not do. How are you with um, like a, a schedule? If you if you put something in your calendar to do would you feel obligated to do it will you stick to it or would you this is something that my partner Simon taught me um he was really really good at turning up and doing everything he said he was going to do even when it was really really inconvenient to him if he made a promise he'd be there and I admired that about him and I've tried to emulate it in my own life so even when I make when I make plans when I say I'm going to go to that coffee morning Nine times out of ten, I will. Okay, so the reason I asked you about structure and calendar is I'm wondering if you could put in place a couple of um, experiments that that you could try out for the next couple of months. Uh, I love the idea of you even just making a date with yourself once a week to go to a coffee shop that you like, one that has a good vibe, a good energy, you like the people who are kind of there, um, and use that time to journal or to sketch or to read a book um, and just turn up to that social space with no agenda, no, 
you know, you're not looking to, to connect with the first person you kind of come across or anything like that, but to just become known in a space, that's mm-hmm. something that I have, have done since we've moved. And to start to become known in a place has been really good for my self-esteem. You know, yeah. you're, you're allowed to do that and you're around people, but you're not putting pressure on yourself to make friends straight away. But then also something that took you further out of your comfort zone, like <laughs> signing up for um, the jewellery school or a language class. You said you wish you could speak Bahasa. I wonder if there is a, a, even an introductory course that you could take that went for a school term or you know eight weeks or something like that, that would allow you again to be in a group of people, to be there for a reason, um, to learn something that I think will help you while you're there as well, to have some of the fundamentals of the language uh, and then perhaps meet people. Um, yeah. They may not be as like-minded as you're hoping, you know, but it could be that you connect on some other interest or for some other reason. I think we do want to cast our net a little bit and see who we meet and, and how we connect. Because um, like if I met someone who was exactly the same as me, I don't know that we'd get along. (laughs) You know, so insufferable sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) I would annoy me. (laughs) So I look at, you know, some of my dearest friends and these aren't people that I necessarily see every week or anything like that. Um, But it has been a a gradual process of years of those, those initially awkward conversations. Like one of my, one of my dearest friends, Sabelle, um, she and I had the most awkward start to our, our friendship. Like she emailed me about something and then um, I don't think I ever responded because I was terrible on email. And then I met her at a conference and we got along really well. And then she emailed again and I didn't respond. And she emailed me again to say, have I done something to offend you? And I'm like, oh my God, no, I just suck on email. And, yeah. you know, it was this six months of awkwardness. And then we had one great conversation over dinner and then I saw her in 12 months time and it was, you know, so it's, it's not necessarily the, the neat trajectory of, um, the friendships that we're kind of, that we made when we were younger. Um, you know, it may not look like a like-minded person. And I think as you already know, having diversity of, um, worldviews and opinions and experiences in your friendship circle is important as well, because otherwise it can just become another bubble, can't it? If everyone sort of thinks the same and acts the same and chooses the same things as us. I like, I like being challenged by my friends. I like sort of having my worldview expanded by my friends and ideas that I've carried for a long time pushed back on as well. And I think that that's, that's, it's, it's a vital part of life, you know, to have that. The truth is that how it stands this week, apart from the, the, the lovely conversations I'll have with my partner, um, I probably won't speak to anyone else this week. Mm. And that's a, the sad state of affairs that it is, really. Yeah. I think we need to habitualise conversation with other people for you for a while until it starts to feel normal, like your new kind of normal. So whether that's just saying hello to the barista in that coffee shop or mm. a friendly hello to the person at the gardening like at the community garden and just like you said turn up to these spaces with no agenda and no expectations that's easy to do in the coffee shop and it I mean it's similarly simple not easy to do in other situations you know if you decide to go to the jewelry class or take a language class turn up with that openness but without any expectations and kind of see what happens skip off with someone into the sunset yeah. holding hands. <laughs> like, BFFs. Like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, you know, radiate openness, I think. And having spoken to you, I, that's what I get from you. You are very open um, and very warm, <laughs> truly. And I think that, that if you allow yourself to just be 
who you are that will reflect in the people that you attract, you know, to your to your shine. So that was my conversation with Nancy. And I think that there would be a lot that many of you listening will have been able to relate to, uh, you know, our, our conversation centering on not only relationships, but self-esteem and uh, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And the person that I wanted to bring in for this second half of the conversation probably could not be more perfectly aligned to this topic than Kate Flanders. So Kate, as you know, has been on the podcast a handful of times, friend of the show, friend of mine. And <laughs> Kate is, she, she is an introverted person, but she travels a lot and has experimented with so many different ways to slow down and live intentionally. She also has a very diverse and like physically sort of wide ranging um, network of friends. Yeah. And by that, I mean, they're all over the, all over the globe. <laughs> Weird way a of global that. community. Thank you of like-minded people. Exactly, and she is someone who has not, who hasn't um, allowed her her fear of using technology mm. too much to stop her from making friends online. I mean, she and I have only met once, and um, you know, so I knew that Kate would be a great person to shed some light on the conversation that Nancy and I had, and uh, she also has some really good practical takeaways. So enjoy this expert commentary. From Kate. If you want to uh, hear more from Kate, uh, visit the show notes to this episode, which is over on slowyourhome.com slash season four. Hello, Kate. How are you? Hello. I'm good, friend. How are you? I'm so good. So, so good to be speaking to you. It feels very strange to be talking from yet another time zone change. I feel like every time we talk, we're in very different places. Well, I, I feel like we are, actually. So you're in Wales at the moment, and I'm in, I'm in uh, our, new, our new place in the, the Southern Highlands. Last time we spoke, I can't even remember where we were. Um, I think that's actually a really nice place to, to kick off our conversation because you and I struck up a friendship online a number of years ago and have only met in person once. Is that right? Yeah, it was literally just for the event, like the book event in Victoria, and we had coffee before that. We did. So, I mean, I know that rationally, and it still <laughs> surprises me because, uh, you know, I used to think that online friendships didn't always equate to in-person real friendships. And when I speak to you, it just feels like I've known you in like a really deep and personal way for a long time, which I think is a... It's a really interesting sort of thread into our conversation. Nancy has a, um, she had a number of questions that I think you're going to have a lot of insight into around being introverted, around experimenting with different ways of slowing down and living more intentionally, um, around travel, around making friendships, and also about making friends online and how to do that in a way that isn't going to become you know, just another way that we're attached to our devices constantly. As someone who works online, do you, I mean, I know you make a lot of friends digitally. Do you have sort of boundaries around that for your, yourself so that they don't become, you know, another way to kind of tether yourself to your phone? Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, I want to just reflect back to that. I, I do feel like we are really old friends, which in a sense we are because I, we've probably been talking online for I don't know, four years or something. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, so if I were to sort of look back, I do think my relationship with 
building friendships online has probably changed, right? Like I think when I, let's say like started blogging or was kind of in the midst of all of that stuff, I, I probably was online a bit too much at points. Um, so I probably didn't always have great boundaries in the beginning. And then definitely in the last few years, um, it's not even like protective is not the right word. Maybe a little bit. It is. They are boundaries sort of around like how much time, not only that I want to spend on my phone or my computer, but even just like in my inbox. This is a good place to start because I actually think that, you know, you guys talked about it kind of briefly. You you talked about your... um, your connection with Joel and how I think Joel has learned you will not respond <laughs> yes. right away. Yes. And I would just say like that has also become true for me. I'm at this place now where people either send things and they, they set this expectation for themselves. Like it's okay if Kate doesn't respond at all, like that's not the goal. Um, or it's okay if I respond like, a month or two later, because realistically, that is what happens. And I say this because I just did it last night. Like just last night, I looked back and saw that my friend Nick um, had sent me a video message in early August. And I didn't get to it until like mid September. Like I I watched it in the moment, but I didn't do anything about it until like mid September, because I thought, I want to do something like that. Like I want to either send him audio back or a video back. And but it, it just like, I don't know, didn't ever seem quite like the right time. And then last night I was just like, oh, I really want to do this. Like, I can't wait to tell Nick what I've been up to. And so just sat down last night and Nick responded within like 10 minutes just being like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen to this because I sent him audio. And so he responded and just said, can't wait to listen to this. But also, he's also not going to get to it in the next 24 hours. Like, And so it's just this nice, I think... Um, and a topic I really wanted to talk about in general is like, there's a release of expectations of like, what it means to be friends and good friends and like how we show up for each other. Sort of that like, in the day to day things like that, or like nice long messages like that, it's completely fine that it's not received and replied to right away. Yeah, there's something really beautiful in choosing to show up for your friends fully, even if it's not it's not timely, it's fully. With your example of taking the time to actually record that message and you, you know, you you really showed up for your friend in that way, as opposed to firing off a quick kind of reply that you didn't really think about much and perhaps you didn't even listen to the video, like listen to the audio or watch the video. Um, like you say, removing the expectation of what good friendship looks like and instead focusing on what it feels like can be a a helpful shift to make too. Because, I mean, I have friendships that I I might speak to someone once a year, but when I do, I'm all in. And you go so much deeper and it means so much more than if we were texting each other every second day but not really paying attention. I'm nodding along and just thinking like, yes, there are not that many people that I talk to on a weekly basis. The majority of my friends, friendships are probably people that I only really like properly connect with once a month or even longer than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that's completely fine. Like I would still consider them to be some of my best friends. 
So there was, I noticed sort of in the conversation, there were a couple times where Nancy talked about sort of the concern of like whether an interaction will be worth it. Mm. And like, I couldn't help but pick up those words, like, will it be worth it? And I say this with zero judgment because I've, A, I've done the same thing before, but I think we all do in all different kinds of situations, whether it's friendships, um, dating, so like romantic partnerships, it is hard to, I don't know, I guess sort of like put yourself out there, especially when you're introverted, like it's hard to put yourself out there. But I think we really have to release, again, like the expectation, but also that pressure that we're putting on ourselves, that like something has to be really good or like go really smoothly or yeah yeah and I'm like it just like you actually mentioned like you had a really awkward six months with like one of your best friends (laughs) it's okay if things aren't perfect or don't go smoothly it's also okay if you only do talk once and you never see each other again I will say I completely related with when Nancy was talking about like you know, sometimes not really seeing other people like other than her family. I'm like, yes, I'm traveling right now in a town where I know one person. (laughs) And there are lots of times where I don't like I'm not going to see friends or see people that I'm close with. um, But I really treasure sort of the random conversation I might have at a coffee shop. Or the other day, actually, I was walking to the coffee shop and this guy stopped me and asked me for directions And he was basically going right by where I was going. So he just walked with me for the rest of it. And like those stand out. It doesn't need to be worth it. I don't need to ever see that man again. (laughs) Like that, that was a great interaction that day. We crave that connection with other humans. And it does, and you know, to drop the expectations of what those interactions need to look like in order to be worthwhile is really freeing because it, it just, as you say, it just allows you to be all in that random conversation with the barista at the coffee shop or the person asking you for directions and to kind of release any pressure of what, of how you need to show up in those moments and how they should show up in order for it to be kind of worthwhile or a positive experience. And I think just connecting as humans in all of our awkward messiness is really kind of beautiful in in so many ways. And I I completely get where Nancy was coming from and and is coming from, you know, the point of view of looking to develop relationships. So you're sort of seeing all of these interactions through that lens of wanting to further friendships. But there is definitely beauty in just being open to whatever and whoever and however interaction kind of comes. Yeah, I was going to say, if if we want to talk about like actually building like deep friendships, I think that it's also then important to remember that like that stuff takes time yes and and takes time for it to go deep so I'm not always on the road like before this I was living in a town called Squamish in British Columbia Canada and I was there for two years and right before I even decided to move there I actually did something pretty similar to what I'm doing now which is I rented an Airbnb for two months and it was strictly to like get away be somewhere quiet be somewhere close enough that like I could escape and like go see a friend. Like I could drive an hour and go to Vancouver and I did have friends there, but it was also far enough that I was not going to do that all the time. Sort of like open the door to conversation, but like sort of get her permission in a way that like, it's okay for me to go. (laughs) And she said, yes, of course. And told me about like what some of the other people do. And she's like, honestly, it's different people that show up every time. Like there's some people who come to everything, but different people come all the time. So 
totally just come and hang out and it'll be an interesting conversation. It always is. And like I put it in my calendar, but as you know, as I got closer, I felt more and more nervous. Um, and even driving there, like had those thoughts of like, I could just turn around. I could just go home. Like, I don't actually have to do this. And, but I walked in and I sat down and, uh, the, well, the first person actually who introduced herself to me, she was also from Victoria, my hometown. So it was like right away, like, I mean, we had nothing in common per se, but like right away there was that little bit of a connection that just helped me feel a little bit calmer and being like, okay, I'm okay to be here. Um, had a good time. And I would go whenever I was home. I probably went to, let's say eight or 10 in total. And I didn't, let's say like make any long lasting friendships, but I made some really interesting connections with people in the community that did lead to like, maybe we had coffee one time or uh, went for a hike one time. And it's okay, actually, that like, those didn't lead to big things. um, Because those those conversations were still worth it. And it's just like, I also looked at it as like, these are other people who, you know, if I saw them out in the community, I would be looking out for them and maybe they'd be looking out for me. Developing that that network, not even necessarily developing those deep friendships. But I think that's part of what community is, isn't it? You know, to go to a place where you feel known and seen, uh, even if it's not in like a cheers sort of way, like where you walk into the bar and everyone knows your name. Um, you yeah. know, it's, it's like putting those those roots down, even if you know that they're not going to be permanent. Like putting the roots down though, I would say like by the time I left Squamish, I did and do have like four really good friends there now, but that took two years. And the other part of that that I really wanted to make sure we talked about was like friendship isn't just about people picking you. It takes a lot of work to also be a good friend. I don't think we talk about that enough. It's so easy to sort of look at like relationships in general and be like, do people pick us? <laughs> like, do do people decide that like we are good enough to be friends with or we're good enough to date? Like all of these things. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work. Like I've gotten a couple comments over the years, people saying like, oh, you seem to have friends all over the place. And how do you do that? And I'm like, because like I try really hard. <laughs> I contact people, I follow up, I check in, I send out messages. Hey, do you want to FaceTime or do you want to Skype sometime soon? And like, it takes a lot of work to show up for people as well. It is also work and not work that's hard. Like if it, if the friendship feels fulfilling, you'll be happy to do that work. Um, but it's like any other relationship, right? Like, it's like, you can't stay married just magically. Like your, your marriage take, takes yeah, work. <laughs> exactly. It takes time and effort and a decision to show up for each other, even when there are other things to do, you know, even when there are other things competing for your attention, that desire to want to develop friendships, like that's not necessarily part of the conversation that happens a lot, but also for, for me tied to that is this ongoing battle uh, between my desire to develop friendships and my horrible self-esteem where mm-hmm. inside I'm saying, well, but I'm I'm not going to follow up because they obviously don't, like I'm not interesting enough or nice enough or whatever enough to want to be friends with. Is that something that you have ever had to work through? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, you know, I sort of had this moment even just a year ago where I had a bit of a breakdown, honestly, like 
mid interview with someone where they asked me a question about my confidence. And I, it was like, I don't think I'd realized it until I said it out loud, but I was like, um, yeah, I basically feel like I have no idea why anyone would want to be my friend. Mm. And I feel fortunate that I have sort of like, like a best friend or like someone who I do talk to a lot and a couple of friends who like, I know if I reached out to them, they would get back to me if Mm -hmm. not right away, like within a few hours kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I I probably do lean on those ones. So again, it's like, I like, I mean, it's amazing to have like sort of a vast network or like a community, but there is also like, it's okay that not everyone maybe gets every part of you. Yeah. And like, and even knows all of those things about you. Right. Like I think there's a lot of friends who I consider them good friends. I'm not going to tell them every detail of my life though. And not because they're not, trustworthy it's not about them it's like I don't know how to open up to like that many people (laughs) yeah that's a lot of vulnerability to to cover yourself with or to uncover yourself with you know yeah absolutely again I think that requires us to investigate a little further what our expectations of friendship are like are we carrying around unrealistic expectations of friendship as adults are we having a an idealistic vision of it and not sort of applying the like looking at it through the lens of of having to work at it and having to show up when it's awkward and of having to follow up and kind of beat down those those voices saying actually they don't really want to be friends with you when we don't know that that's the case like it's it's much messier maybe than I think we wish it was (laughs) I think another thing that probably has helped me say build trust with people. So trusting that they do want to be my friend because I'm an incredibly anxious person as well. So it's pretty hard for me to walk away from a conversation and not overthink about Mm -hmm. it for the next like many hours. (laughs) Like, um, did I sound stupid? Did I sound needy? Do I sound annoying? Like this is sort of how I operate all the time. I think something that helps me is looking at how people like responded to me or how they showed up for me. And again, so it's like not, not getting in so much in my head that it's about what I did, but like, how did they actually show up? Like if someone was open and honest with me, Oh, like maybe I am trustworthy. Mm. Maybe, Maybe they do trust me. Oh, okay. Um, if they did share something and, then I'm like, oh, maybe I can share with them, right? Like, it's I'm certainly not the one that enters every situation being like, I know how to do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sort of always looking for cues from other people. And again, so this is me saying, like, I get in my head. I I don't just, like, do this stuff perfectly. I think, though, that it's it's important to sort of a, like from what we were talking about at the beginning, like releasing expectations um, and B, I think like being self-aware in the situations, because if someone has shown up for you in a way or like shown up even just by sharing themselves, being honest about something, they're signaling like that you feel like a safe space mm. for them. Try and just look at people's interactions with you and see if you can figure out what those are like I actually really loved that you got um, Nancy to do the exercise of writing down things she could be proud of Mm. because I would add to it like what would make you a good friend 
And it's not, it's not about time. It's not about like a commitment. It's, it's not about those things. It's like, like, are, are you just like a nice person? <laughs> like, are you someone who cares about people? Um, my guess is yes. Like, I don't think that we walk around just, like, well, maybe some people, but in general, like, I don't think we walk around with these feel- feelings. I think most of us are feeling disconnected and lonely. And if you were presented with an opportunity, like, you would be really kind to somebody. Like, that's a great quality. That's actually a really fantastic suggestion to take that a step further. Because, I mean, my thinking with the the list of things that she was proud of in herself was to start to kind of stimulate this awareness of self-esteem and self-worth, mm-hmm. and, you know. Um, but I, I think that that's a really, a really clever um, addition to that too and to start developing not only the inner kind of awareness but also becoming a little more aware of how you interact with other people and what your responses are when someone is, you know, it, it, when someone is vulnerable with you and, and how you respond if someone kind of gives you the cold shoulder. And, and just I think just developing a picture, a more well-rounded picture that's not just uh, driven by our inner voice but that's actually driven by our experiences is really helpful in starting to figure out like who we are and, like you said, what our mode of operation is because it doesn't matter what it is, it's, it's all valid, but I think understanding it is really important so that you can start to work with that rather than actively try and work against it. The first thought that came up as you were saying that was, yeah, I, the reason I loved the exercise that you gave her about writing that list also is because I think that sometimes when we like, cause I used to have a really hard time with that activity as well. I remember someone saying to me, what are five things you're proud of? And I genuinely felt stumped. Mm-hmm. And now, like you just said, like, it's just like more about understanding your story. Like, I know that it's easier said than done, especially if there's like maybe things that, um, the path maybe you wouldn't have taken at some point. It, it can be hard for you to grapple that too. But also like when you share your story, my guess is other people are going to relate to it. Mm you're not the only one. And it's, it's hard for us to like, remember that kind of when we're in it. But as soon as you say certain things, my guess is that someone else could be like, Oh, yeah, I I did. I took a really similar path. Or I also became a stay at home mom, or I also, yeah, just had to shift gears for my family in some way. That that is human connection, isn't it really to, to share your story. You're so right that we're carrying around this pressure to qualify everything or rationalize every every step that we've taken or to feel like we are allowed to have taken those steps you know and I I don't know if it's like the internet where every every action everyone ever takes is ripped to to pieces in order to try and you know find the weak spot or I don't I don't know what it is but I think we are you're you're really right everyone sort of feels um we need to be an expert in it rather than just a human you know which is kind I'm kind of riffing off something that you wrote a while ago, like, I don't want to be an expert. I just want to be like a person (laughs) or a human, you know? And I think there's something in that as well. Going back to just like sort of a thinking about what kind of friend you are. Um, I feel like actually just, there's a theme here of like releasing expectations in general, but like, but like being really open to friendships, looking all kinds of different ways. Um, and being open to people who you might not have thought you would ever be friends with. Yeah. Like, if I look at some of the people I'm closest to right now, um, I I just don't know that, like, old Kate, like, the way I sort of showed up years ago, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have accepted 
like the love that they give because I really didn't believe I was worth it. I feel very grateful like to just sit with a few people who are so open and honest that you just realize like that's partially who they are, but partially also because you're a safe space for them. And to let them keep showing up in this like big, meaningful way, again, like it's not every month, it's probably not even every quarter, but like when we come together, it is, it feels so just kind of monumental and super loving and super supportive. And in a way that like, I just don't know that I would have ever been open to before. And I sort of had to just like bear witness to it a little bit and and keep doing it. Like if they would keep inviting me places, I'm like, really? <laughs> and just keep going and and just accept that sort of like, this isn't a kind of friendship I ever would have expected. And also because I just let myself be open to it, even though I was uncomfortable at times, the, the discomfort was mine. It was me. Right. It wasn't them. And that is something that just by being okay with it looking different than maybe what I would have thought... Like, I didn't put these things in boxes. I've just let them sort of create their own boxes. Yeah, and I think I think I might have said to Nancy at some point, like, radiate openness, you know, like, go into things open. And I realized after I got off the call with her that that could feel like an insurmountable thing to do if you're introverted because I think we carry around, again, this expectation of what it is to be open, you know, like just like one of those chill laid back people who's like, yeah, I mean, anything goes, you know, that to me is the image that I get when I think of being open. But what you're saying is to, if someone wants to continue inviting you places or wants to have a conversation with you, allow them to and be open and be curious and, you know, almost have wonder when you're looking at it rather than judgment of yourself or of, you know, what you think that friendship might look like. We don't know. We have no idea how we're able to turn up for each other over time. Um, so kind of be open to that as well. Actually, when you were talking about like sort of the vision that you get of what it looks like to be an open person, I think of someone who's just like the person who smiles at you on the trail mm. or who smiles at you at the coffee shop. I'm like, because I am not extroverted. Like I'm the person, if you were to throw me into, I don't know, some kind of awful party or networking event of like hundreds of people, I would stand in the corner and wait for my one friend who I actually know. Oh yeah. Like I... I'm not good in certain situations. And so I'm not like everyone needs to become an extrovert. I'm like, no, no, (laughs) no, know yourself. (laughs) And like, it's okay. But yeah, like I do think that there's a way to show up. I got a sense from, from Nancy that like going to a, an organized event was maybe a step too far out of her comfort zone on some days. And that was kind of my suggestion for that exact reason, to just give yourself the opportunity to to connect with other humans in very small, very not ongoing kind of ways. Just go and work in a coffee shop for a couple of hours a week and absorb the energy of being around other people. There are things that we discover about ourselves and about other people and also just the boost of, um, you know, of, of, of humanity that we get from from connecting to each other is is powerful enough and sometimes that's all it's going to be and I think that that's really important too to kind of as you said acknowledge that that's maybe as far as those interactions will go and that's fine that's existing in a like in a world with other people um I guess to finish up um I know you are introverted um, I certainly don't, and so am I, 100%. And I don't see being introverted as a negative trait at all. But I think we're often told 
that in order to make friends, in order to connect, in order to network, in order to build community. We need to like embrace extroverted tendencies at least some of the time. Do you have any kind of tools or strategies that you use to to be an introvert in like a you know in a more public way if that makes sense? Oh, that's a good question. Um I would say I'm I'm still someone who and Nancy said this too like I do love meeting people and I love a deep conversation. Mm. I'm fine even like doing those things if there's other people around like say if I was in a big room with a lot of people you'd still find me talking to just one person I think who you are and how you show up is probably how you show up in everything so this the circumstances might be different right like I can do that either just on Skype with someone or on a phone call or at a coffee shop with one person or in a room with hundreds of people Mm. I'm I'm still going to be the person who would rather just have one big conversation. If it is a loud room, I will likely say to this person, would you like to leave with me and keep talking? (laughs) Um, I'm always going to get so much more out of, for like a bunch of people or, or in a way that's not me. I don't know if I have a really great answer to that question. Well, I think just, I mean, well, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think much the same, actually. I mean, first, I guess you need to learn what your strengths are in those sorts of situations. And then learn how to play to them. You know, like I, w- I remember going to events when I first started blogging, I go to like blogging conferences and stuff. And I would yeah. walk into a room full of people who I felt like every person in the room knew each other, um, except me. And I would like walk through the room and go to the toilet <laughs> and sit in there for 15 minutes. I'd steal myself and then I'd walk back through the room uh, to like the coffee table and I'd make myself a coffee and I wouldn't talk to anyone. And then I'd plant myself against the wall at some point and I'd recognise that there were other similar <laughs> people kind of sticking to the edges of the room and then I'd strike up a conversation. And figuring out that that wasn't actually a weakness of mine but it was just me Uh, operating in a mode that felt best to me was helpful. So I think first you need to know what your strengths are. So whether or not that is by doing like a personality test and and kind of looking at what those suggested sort of strengths and and weaknesses are, um, that helped me a little bit, I think, in just validating how I operate and why I operate like that. I mean, there is a tension there though, isn't there? Because I think as an introvert, you're most comfortable by not putting yourself in necessarily in those situations at all. But there is like a, there are benefits to pushing your, your boundaries of your, your comfort zone a bit. Um, but it doesn't mean you need to become the life of the party or the extrovert kind of running the room. So it's, it's figuring out where that balance is for you. And it probably changes also understanding that we have cycles. We have cycles that impact our mm-hmm. sociability and all of, all of those things that are attached and they're okay as well. I think that that has been a really important um discovery of mine over the last year or two and to kind of honor that yeah it's just a reality I think we're so engaged with like uh, sort of all of these stories of what we should be doing and we're we're very disengaged from our bodies yes and from like who we actually are and the minute you do start to like track some things and learn more about yourself, it's just so much easier actually to show up in the world and be like, I mean, you don't have to go and tell everybody, but like, it's so much <laughs> easier to, to show up knowing 
you know, actually, like, my estrogen has dipped super low this week. I don't really want to talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and and just knowing that and, like, knowing you can look ahead in the calendar and be like, yeah, it's totally fine and not something to beat myself up over if for the next four days I don't really want to do a ton. That's completely fine. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's been a conversation that a lot of women have been having for many years. But for me, just over the last year or so, um, kind of digging into it and realizing that there are so many of us who are doing the same kind of self-discovery and finding validation in it is it's really powerful because, I mean, it's it's a significant proportion of, of the population who perhaps feel like there is something wrong with them when they're up and down and some days they're sociable and other days they're not and it, that's not the case at all. Well, Kate, thank you so much for digging into this with me. I think it's been a really wonderful conversation and I hope that Nancy's found some additional sort of ideas and, and just your insights into all of this has, have been really valuable. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And I'm, I, I hope she does or anyone listening does. I will also just say it was really nice to sort of reflect on some of this stuff. I can't say that I've given myself the opportunity to do that in a while so that it just felt really nice. So thank you. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Who is that? Hi, podcast.